This is episode 57 of Beyond the Bulletin. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Beyond the Bulletin. I'm Brandon Sweet, editor of The Daily Bulletin. And for Media Relations, I'm Pamela Smythe. We're coming to you from our homes where we're practicing physical distancing. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. And just like every week, we'll talk about some of the top stories featured in The Daily Bulletin and then look ahead to see what's on the horizon, both inside and outside Ring Road. We'll also take the opportunity to speak with Waterloo people and personalities about key issues that matter. Coming up, my conversation with Ian Vanderberg, the director of the Waterloo Centre for Education in Mathematics and Computing. Their online courseware recently saw a surge in views, topping 10 million in the 2019-2020 academic year alone. That's a pretty big number. No kidding. And we're also at another big number for the podcast. So episode 57, like Heinz 57. Well, this podcast certainly has 57 flavors, and I also have 57 moods <laughs> you that do, I can, I can attest to cycle that. through. Yes, I'd like yes. to think that it's it's an icon like the 57 Chevy. That's right. And the 57 Chevy was an important part of this university's uh, 25th anniversary back in 1982. In fact, I think uh, President Hagee drove around in a 57 Chevy as part of the anniversary celebrations, because as you know, the university was, of course, founded in 57. Cool. Yeah, good times. I have a, uh, or actually, I think if you look in the Hagee Hall, uh, some of the display cases outside the Humanities Theater, there is a Hot Wheels uh, 57 Chevy uh, car that uh, oh. I guess was uh, was donated or uh, is on display. At least it was at one time. A car like this one. Mm. That's right. I wish we had the actual car. That would be awesome. It's a oh. nice nice piece of history. I think there was. I think if I remember correctly, uh, Doug Wright and Jerry Hagee were both in the vehicle, riding mm-hmm. with the top down. Speaking of looking back, here's what's been happening. The university has produced new resources to help prepare for a safe, staged return to campus. Last week, President Farad and Hamdalapur announced the release of the Welcome Back Waterloo Guide and Safety Video. The Welcome Back Waterloo Guide outlines the university's plans and the steps that students and employees can take as they prepare to return. There will be updates to it as plans and the campus environment evolve. And in case you missed it on the university's social media channels, the short safety video helps students who are coming back to campus prepare for what will be a unique fall term. You can find the links to those resources in the show notes on soundcloud.com. Speaking of fall, if you are coming to campus this September, you may notice something is missing, something other than the usual throngs of people. The iconic Waterloo sign at the University Avenue entrance to campus will be moved and replaced by a new installation. The move is part of the ongoing wayfinding update of the university. As part of a new integrated wayfinding system, a large three-piece glass and aluminum sign will reside at the University Avenue entrance. Yes, if you if you go to the wayfinding projects website, you can see sort of a mock-up of what that new uh, sign will look like. It's really quite cool. According to Associate Vice President Marketing and Strategic Initiatives Tony Frost, the new sign is designed for long life as well as aesthetics and will provide visitors with their first exposure to the visual language required for navigation around the university. Fans of the original sign need not worry, it's not going far. It will take up residence near the Arts Quad, the Dana Porter Library, and the Grad House. I think it should be part of a museum installation myself. What, not a fan of the sign? Oh, no. <laughs> 
I think we should have a museum. <laughs> it belongs in a museum. That sounds like uh, and it's something Indiana Jones would say. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, history, let's talk about the original sign. This particular sign was part of the winning entry in the 2011 Innovate, Integrate, and Implement contest, also known as the I3 Challenge. And it was produced by a, or developed by a team of students from the faculties of engineering and environment. The idea behind the design, which included uh, the prominent sign and an expanded walkway with arches, was to create a grand concourse at the busy intersection of Seagram and University. The sign was installed in the fall of 2012. Where's the time gone? Over the years, the Waterloo sign has become a favorite photo backdrop for students and visitors, and it gets wrapped up in faculty colors for orientation, and uh, it goes red for the launch of the United Way campaign every year. Uh, unfortunately, its location so close to traffic has raised some safety concerns. The Wayfinding Project team surveyed the campus community for feedback on a safe and convenient space for this sign, and the Art Squad location was the most popular response. What kind of safety concerns? People are looking at it and then they'll smash into something? No, I think that when people stand in front of the, uh, when they stand in front of the sign to get their photo taken, the optimal place for taking that photo happens to be out in the road uh, <laughs> leading to the ring road. Or I don't think people are, no, people aren't walking out into the middle of University Avenue, but they are walking into the ring road or out to the boulevard uh, in the middle there and trying to take a photo. And I guess maybe there have been some close calls. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. All right. Well, the Waterloo sign will be removed this month, taken for refurbishment, and then reinstalled later this fall. The university will share further updates regarding the unveiling and its new location. Watch this space. I'm sure That's we'll great. have something about it in the podcast. It's a sign of the times. Uh... Now, here's what's coming up. As you may know, the search for the next president of the University of Waterloo has been underway for some time now. The Presidential Nominating Committee has issued a progress report on its most recent activities. The committee engaged in community consultations in late winter and early spring to help inform the development of a candidate brief and an advertisement. Additionally, representatives from Human Rights, Equity and Inclusion provided resources to the committee on equity, diversity, inclusion and indigeneity issues. Over the summer, the committee met several times to review candidate applications. The committee will select a short list this month, and interviews will occur in September and October. Ferdinand Hamdelopper is scheduled to end his term as president and vice chancellor on June 30th, 2021. You can stay current on the committee's progress by visiting the Presidential Nominating Committee's website. You can find the link in the show notes. Speaking of shows... The music department at Conrad Grable University College is using the COVID-19 pandemic as a unique opportunity to focus on the fundamentals through an online experience that will use technology to bring students together in song. There are seven music ensembles that will emphasize collaboration, teamwork, and instrumental and vocal technique. Guest artists and speakers will give presentations, and there will be small group instruction as well. During this challenging time, the opportunity for creative and social activities is more important than ever. There are choral and instrumental ensembles, including the Chapel Choir, the Chamber Choir and University Choir, which will join for fall 2020, the Jazz Ensemble, a virtual exploration of gamelan music, and the Combined Instrumental Chamber Ensembles and Orchestra. Four credit ensemble courses are available to all University of Waterloo students, including graduate students. For more information, you can visit the Music Department's website, and we'll put that in the show notes. So I was in uh, the jazz ensemble at my high school back in the day. 
You like jazz? Do you like jazz? <laughs> Anyways, I like jazz. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I, I have a jazz, jazz was pretty cool. When I was in high school, I wouldn't want to be in a jazz ensemble. But now I think it's really cool. Well, it's like they say, there is a world of difference between saying, I was in a band in high school and I was in band in high school. Worlds apart, Brandon. Worlds I, definitely, apart. I definitely was not in a band. And now the interview. The Waterloo Center for Education in Mathematics and Computing, or CEMC for short, recently marked a milestone achievement. There have been more than 10 million views of their online courseware, and nearly a third of those have been since April, when teachers and parents were eager to find resources for their students at home. Ian Vanderberg is the director of CEMC and an award-winning teacher in the Faculty of Mathematics. As he tells Pamela, offering learning support during a pandemic is a function of the center no one anticipated. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thanks, Pamela. So for those who are unfamiliar, what is the Waterloo Center for Education in Mathematics and Computing? The CEMC is the outreach arm of the Faculty of Mathematics. When the faculty was founded in the late 1960s, some of the people who were involved in the early days of the faculty really felt strongly that it was important to establish connections and build connections with the school system. Part of this was to establish connections to enable good students to think about Waterloo through their teachers, but also part of it was a real commitment to giving back to education as people who had all been inspired by teachers at various points along the way. They, the founders and those of us in the CEMC today really feel this connection is important. And the CEMC grew from, from small beginnings where the faculty was helping administer a small number of math contests in southwestern Ontario and visiting schools around the province to a pretty robust group now of more than 40 people who work in the Faculty of Mathematics dedicated to mathematics and computing education in the K-12 sphere. Tell me a bit about some of the activities that you do. Sure. There, there are several big components to the CEMC. The, the original part was the mathematics contest. And in a normal year, we have about 270,000 students from about 85 countries participate in our contests. About half of those are in Ontario. About a quarter of them are in the rest of Canada. And about a quarter of them are international students. And these contests are are designed to help encourage and promote interest and enjoyment and confidence and ability in mathematics and computer science, which is part of our mission. We, we spend a lot of time going out and doing workshops in schools with students and teachers. In a normal year, we would, my faculty colleagues in CEMC and I would be out visiting about 350 schools and talking directly to about 20,000 kids to promote problem solving to promote the disciplines of mathematics and computer science, to talk about the careers in and applications of those disciplines, to help teachers answer those questions when students ask, when will I ever use this? Well, here are some <laughs> answers to that. I may have asked that question once or twice. We also have a large collection of free online resources from a problem of the week which runs for 30 weeks or so during a, a normal school year where we have we, we believe we have over a million people who see those problems every week through their teachers who are subscribers to the problem. We have free online curriculum resources, which have seen a tremendous growth in, since the beginning of the pandemic. And we run an online 
master's program for high school teachers, which is actually one of the largest grad programs on campus as well. Many people first heard about the CEMC through a contest that they wrote or through maybe their teachers wrote a contest when they were younger. And certainly 20 years ago, contests were the biggest thing that the CEMC was known for. But we have really expanded our scope in the last 10 years in particular to be to encompass all sorts of parts, to be really focused on curriculum and trying to help support the excellent teaching of mathematics and computer science in schools by providing solid free resources that schools and teachers and students and parents can all use to support their learning and their teaching. We, we've also really, in the last 10 or 15 years as well, really tried to focus as well on diversity in STEM. The center recently saw 10 million views of its online courseware. Congratulations, 10 million. That's unbelievable. It was, it, you know, when we created our courseware, started to create it a number of years ago, we never, we never anticipated that a global pandemic would come along and really underline the need for the materials that we have. About six or seven years ago, uh, Steve Farino, who's one of my colleagues in math, who's well-known across campus, came and said, you know, online education is really becoming a thing, and we're starting to embrace it a lot in the Faculty of Mathematics. Is there something that we should be doing to help support education in schools? And so we started by developing what we, what we called courseware, so basically a complete curriculum package that supported grade 12 pre-calculus and calculus courses. We felt from there that the next best place to go was to grade seven and eight as, as a point in our time in mathematics education when mathematics was becoming more complicated and teachers who are working really hard at doing a great job aren't necessarily specialists to trying to help promote that. And then to, to quote a former dean of mine, we realized that there were missing numbers between eight and 12 <laughs> and that we perhaps should fill in the nine, 10, 11 gaps. And so we did that over the course of two years ago. And in 2018, 2019, in that school year, we saw 3 million page views of our material and we were thrilled. So this year, things were proceeding with a bit of growth over the previous year and then the pandemic hit. And in April, 2020, we had 3 million page views. Just and April. Just April. And we've recently surpassed 10 million for this entire school year. And so as you know, as schools in Ontario and the rest of Canada and other parts of the world were switching from in-person to online and remote and synchronous and asynchronous and all sorts of variations of this, mm. math teachers were, were by and large able to say, hey, we've got this material that we can now just point to, whereas teachers in other disciplines often were recording videos at their kitchen table late at night so their kids could watch them the next day. And we're, we're working really hard to do the absolute best that they could under extraordinarily challenging circumstances. Mm -hmm. And math teachers, lots of math teachers emailed us after the fact and said, we were so happy to be able to say, here it is. Go to cemc.uwaterloo.ca, <laughs> kids. You'll find the lessons that you need to learn for grade 10, for grade 12, for grade 7. And it really, it really, I think, for, for lots of teachers and students and parents really helped facilitate the, con the continuation of learning. 
most of the access is in Canada, but there is there is access. There's a good amount of access outside of Canada too. So I was looking earlier at access from Pakistan and India and the United States and China and other places. So I, some of that is from people who know about the CEMC already, whether they're teachers or students through contests or through our master's program or our Canadians teaching abroad in many cases. Some of it will be people who find it kind of naturally. They go to their favorite search engine and look for mathematics curriculum content and they find us that way. In many cases, the access will be students. They'll be, you know, the teacher has said, today, this is the topic we're covering. We're covering uh, roots of quadratic equations because we're doing grade 10 or grade 11 right now, depending what province you're in. And you need to go online and watch this lesson and then come back and we'll have a discussion about it. I think in some cases as well, it's teachers accessing it to, to come up with ideas for their class. And in some cases, teachers who are teaching a new grade level or a new topic they haven't seen in a while might go in to give themselves a bit of a refresher or to see a different approach to a topic. So what does it look like? If you go into the courseware, you go in, you pick your grade. The courseware is divided into units. You pick the unit that your teacher has suggested you pick or that you sort of believe your kid is involved in right now. Each unit is then broken into various lessons. And the lessons, some of the lessons are text to read on the screen. Lots of the lessons have some kind of video component. It's some kind of narrated uh, teaching that shows the mathematics on screen, shows visuals that help reinforce or help learn. So there's some teaching chunks. There are some practice chunks. Mathematics is, is a subject like many that we learn by doing. So for it's an opportunity for students to go on and do. And some of the exercises are algorithmically generated, which means that Pamela, if you and I did the same exercise, we would get the same mathematical concept, but with different numbers in it. So that so it meant that, you know, if you might try it and say, oh, I got this quickly, I'm going to go on to the next question. And I might try it and say, well, I'm not really sure if I got this. I can click the try this again, and I'll get the same content, the same concept back, but with a slightly different question. So it wow. enables sort of repeated practice is what is how we get better at these things. And who creates the content? We thought really hard about how to do this. And what we did for all of our coursework projects is we put together a team that included experienced and really strong school teachers, along with faculty members from the Faculty of Math. This combination has really created a set of resources that, that incorporate the best of many worlds. They incorporate the teacher perspective, somebody who's been in the classroom for 10 or 15 or 20 years and knows where students struggle and where students need extra reinforcement and knows how a grade 10 student really thinks and also brings a mathematical expert to bear on it. And not that the teachers aren't mathematical experts, but really brings that brings those two things together in a really great way. So the teacher, we've, we've hired teachers, seconded teachers more or less, mm -hmm. to come and work with us on these various projects. And they have been the ones who've really, who've done the bulk of the, the writing and the creation of the exercises and all those things. And it's been their expertise that has been the real, the real backbone of these projects. Wow. So you had a bumper April, as we mentioned, with 3 million views, but you also had a pretty good July and August. Summertime for math? 
when better to do math than during the <laughs> summer? I, I do math on the dock. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> no, I, I, th I think th this year is just so different than normal that whether they're students who are, there, there are probably some students doing online summer school to help reinforce some things. There'll be some families that are, are making extra effort to make sure that time that was unusually spent in April, May, and June has been reinforced over the course of the summer with some extra practice so that when school opens in its various forms in, in the next couple of weeks in Canada, mm -hmm. that students are prepared to pick up from where they left off. So how has the pandemic changed the work that you do? And we know how we know how it changed the work for teachers, but how has it changed work for the people at CEMC? Usually in the spring and summer we we have a large number of student groups through for week-long workshops. We have teacher groups. In a normal year we would have a hundred teachers come to campus for our in-person teacher conference. And this summer we had a thousand teachers register for our free virtual online conference. As with many of these things in the pandemic, we have to make changes. And then as we're going along thinking, this is something that we should actually think about. When we knew that the mechanism of learning was changing and the mechanism of school was changing, that we, we got on it right away and created a new resource that we called CEMC at Home, knowing that many people are at home. CEMC has, because of its history, because of its scope, has such a wealth of resources on our website, which I suspect if you're somebody coming to it, your parents coming to it, for example, you might look at it and say, where do I start? Yeah, because how much is there? There are 20 years of past contests oh. available. There is There are seven uh, mathematics courses available. There are computer science resources. There are all sorts of things. So we created the CEMC at home resource, which was targeted from grade four to grade 12, and each weekday for 13 weeks, we released a new resource for each of those four levels. So more than 60 resources at each of the four levels where it was something that was designed to be potentially done independently by older students or done at home with parents or caregivers for younger students. Mm -hmm. Something that didn't necessarily require a teacher there to help you get started, but something that would help students keep learning, would help do math in a, in a, in a, family-friendly or engaging way along the way. And we had more than 300,000 downloads of all that material wow. through the course of April, May, and June. So people were were using it, and we had lots and lots of appreciation for that too. Why did you do it? You had 20 years of material. You could just sort of rest on your laurels and say, well, we did our work. We have great materials there, and we wanted to really focus in on a few things. So focus in on on problem solving, focus in on computational thinking. So pick some things and really try to drive that home over the course of the weeks. The materials that we have are really great and are mostly intended to be used in a classroom or to be used by students who are already a little bit motivated. And knowing that um, motivation at home learning for at home learning varied from household to household and from day to day within the same household, so we wanted to make sure that, that we were there for those kinds of things. What kind of feedback are you getting from parents and teachers, just even just from the pandemic time? The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Most of the time, the feedback is just, thank you. We, we needed this. We knew you had resources. And we, we know that because 
we as teachers have this ongoing relationship with CEMC and the University of Waterloo. We know you care about what we're doing in the schools, and we know you care enough to support what we're doing. And those are the kinds of messages we were getting back. Whether it was, I had a teacher, believe it or not, who I know in Mongolia, who emailed me early on to say, I'm using your courseware to teach my students remotely in Mongolia. And, and we get the same messages from teachers in Mississauga. Wow. So, yeah. As hard as this has all been in the educational world for many people and in the world for so many different reasons, it, it's really, certainly for my colleagues who've worked so hard at putting all of this together, it's a wonderful affirmation of the work that they have done and, and for the care that they show for education. Do you think maybe it's doing something good for Waterloo as well? In CEMC, we, we try to think about everything we do from the, through the lens of outreach, that we are really here to, we're here to support education. And we have been very lucky in the Faculty of Mathematics and at the university level that there's been a support for the work that we've been doing for so many years. I think, at, pragmatically, at the end of the day, we are very lucky as a university as a whole that we get really great students here. And I think part of that, and I'll declare my bias up front on this, but I think part of this is the fact that starting in grade three, when your teacher starts showing you problem of the week that says CEMC University of Waterloo on it, you, many students start associating Waterloo with math and with STEM and with all of the academic excellence that is here on this campus. And if you look at our undergraduate population in math, and I suspect in some other faculties as well, there's a huge proportion of students who've had connections with Waterloo through math contests, through coming to workshops. When you think that in a, in a normal week, we estimate between a million and a million and a half students seeing our problems of the week, that, that might very well be the single largest public contact that our university has on anything. This is a great way for us as an institution to show our connection and show our support for the educational world around us. But it's also a great way for us as an institution to make ourselves known to students. Students who are going to come into arts eventually. Students who are going to come into math eventually. Students who are going to come into AHS or environment or engineering or science. If we can build positive relationships and ongoing relationships with teachers and with schools, that that... A, will help education largely because they're going to hopefully trust the work what we do and trust the resources we provide. And no, I'm looking for a resource to support this. I'm going to check out what the CEMC has. Mm -hmm. But they're also then going to turn around to say to their students, you know, you're really good at this. You should think about Waterloo. Huh. So not all students are going to be going back to class. Some will be continuing their uh, remote emergency learning at home. What advice do you have for them or their teacher and or their supervisor at home? I think it's do the best you can. Find resources that work for you. Find hopefully CEMC resources work for you for math and for computing and to to know that you can come here and know that you'll find really good high quality resources through our website. I would hope that people will help spread the word through their social circles as well. If you know about us, if you have seen our resources, share them with your friends and colleagues. This is a really tough time in education because of all the uncertainty. And going back to school is exciting for some and anxious for others. But at the end of the day, we need to do our absolute best 
as an institution, as a province, as a country, as a world, to continue to support education as best as we can. Well, I'm sure that people appreciate the work that you and your colleagues do more than they're saying. And But I would like to say thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for all of that important work and for being here, for being my guest, because it's always a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. And thanks for helping to spread the word about the great work that our wonderful team has been doing. We will put a link to the CEMC in our show notes on SoundCloud. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. You can find all of our past shows and links about the items we mentioned in today's show on SoundCloud.com. To ensure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Beyond the Bulletin podcast wherever you get your podcasts and recommend us to your colleagues and Waterloo alumni. Let's not get complacent. Remember to wash your hands often and keep your distance. And mask up when headed indoors in public spaces. If you'd like to provide feedback to us, give us an interview idea, or you can't find our show notes, please get in touch with us via email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. Thanks for listening as we went beyond the bulletin. I'm really liking your glasses, your new glasses, Brandon. Well, thank you. It took me forever to pick them out. Your first pair of glasses. It's hard. How do they expect people who can't see you to pick out glasses? (laughs) 